0: Good to be with you today. We grab your Bibles and turn with me to the New Testament letter of 1 John. We're in chapter 4, church. We continue today in verse 5 and 6. A sermon that I've titled, Not of This World. Building on what we read last week in verse 4. um, You've overcome. You've overcome them, church. He who is greater in you greater than he was in the world praise god what a, what a time we had together in verse 4 last week let's build on that i want to read today's text with verse 4 included and we'll jump right in this morning 1 John chapter 4 4 through 6 little children you are from god and have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world they are from the world therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them we are from god Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. As we move into verse 5. John says, they are from the world. Or as I've been telling you, that word from in the English is really the Greek word of. They are of the world. So who are the ones he refers to here as they? And as we go back to verse 4 and even the context of the entire letter, we, we understand who John is referring to. In verse 4 he refers to them as them. They are the false prophets that represent the spirit of the Antichrist. Much of what we saw in the opening verses of chapter 4. They are those who lie. And deceive and promote false gospels. Most essentially, they are anyone who is anti-Christ. It is those that John referred to in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8: Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Paul spoke of of these. In Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Here, Paul's referring to believers who were once of, who were, who were really once part of the they, that those who served followed the prince of the power of the air. That is the devil Satan who is, who is at work And continues to be at work And the sons of disobedience As Paul refers to them Who are the sons of disobedience Those who practice sin You might say well even as a believer I still sin Yes but you don't practice sin You're not bound to sin You're not enslaved to sin As you were before you were saved That's the difference They unrepentantly are given to sin. They don't repent when they're convicted of their sin like we who belong to Christ do. Jesus speaks to this in John chapter 8 as he points out the depravity that even his Jewish audience was living in. People who were important in that community. People who were propped up and looked to and respected, revered in Judaism. On the horizontal they were seen as as good, helpful, respectable men. But see with me that they're declared to be devoted to the devil because they denied Jesus as Lord and practice the works of sin. Jesus says in John 8, 41, to them, he says, You are doing the works your father did. And a few verses later, he says who their spiritual father is. In verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Wow, that is something you never want to have said of you, is it? I mean, that feels like a really grand statement. Probably so grand that many who heard it just immediately rejected it. Like, that's not us. That, That can't be true. That's too extreme. Right? No one's that wicked. No one's that bad. I mean, maybe... Satan worshipers are. Maybe people who are really tweaked and purposely follow and emulate and worship Satan, maybe those guys. But we got to understand this morning this statement, that position in life to be of the devil and practicing sin and sons of disobedience is not extreme. You need to see today that to be a son or daughter of the devil is very normal. It's common. It's not out in the margins of the culture. It's in the dead center of it. And what do I mean by that? Scripture makes clear the reality is you belong to one of two spiritual families. John's spoken of this a number of times, continues to drive the point home. There is two spiritual fathers the devil or God you belong to one or the other you live for one or the other Jesus says to those still practicing sin those without faith in Jesus for salvation you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires these people claim to be good They even claimed to have allegiance with God, as we saw earlier in John's letter here. But their lives and their hearts were not for him. They proved this by how they lived. The Bible is clear that we will either be enslaved to sin or we will be enslaved to Christ. And so I ask you to take a moment this morning just to take a serious inventory. What is the longing of your days? Your desires, your priorities, your practices, are they selfish? Are they temporary driven? Are they sinful? Or are they God-honoring? Are they humbly submitted to, to Christ who is Lord? pursuit of what is righteous? what is good, not not just what makes sense to me or what feels right to me. If you are not a child of God, redeemed by Jesus' blood, surrendered to Jesus as Lord, living for the glory of God, no longer living for yourself or living for your kids or living for your temporary pleasures, then you are of this world. You are a child of the devil. You are not a child of God. Two teams, two spiritual fathers. You know and serve one or the other. There is no middle ground. Again, remember what John said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. By this it is evident, who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. So everyone who remains in their sin belongs to Satan, unless God saves them by his amazing grace. Unless God gives you a new heart, unless God lays upon you the righteousness of Christ. You're dead in your sin, you're enslaved to your sin, you're depraved to do nothing but sin. And so we can't play light with this. We can't afford to, to struggle to hear it and, and Stay distracted and busy with life. No, there's nothing more important than to do real business with this. There should be no confusion. Man-made thinking to spin up or to cling to. We need to see it clearly so that we have a bold testimony of absolute truth to those who we love in this life. To not play light with their standing before God. For the sake of keeping the relationship or the family happy. Those who practice sin, those who are unrepentant in their sin, are opposed to Christ. Now that doesn't mean a Christian doesn't struggle with sin, have lengths of real time where where they continue to miss the mark and continue to not see what they needed to see. But when Christ is on board, there will be a submission, there will be a repentance, there will be a new beginning. All who are not born again of God, adopted into God's family by the blood of his son, are the sons of disobedience, are the children of wrath, and in their sin they belong to the devil. So back to John, and what he says here in verse five, first John four five, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. His point here is to highlight their allegiance. Their their talking points, their agenda, is not that of God. It's their own. It's man-made, it's secular, it's worldly. Let me be clear, this doesn't mean, again, that they're out in the margins. No, again, many of these will often be seen as good people, nice people, friendly, helpful It very well could be beloved, unbelieving family in your life. In your immediate family, your kids, your spouse. Unbelieving friends that you love dearly. But they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. Why does the world listen to them? Because they play for the same team. Consider with me the words of James regarding this very point. James four. 4 Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? War with God. The word friendship here in the Greek is often used... To communicate love. for it's it's used to speak of the Father's love of the Son in places like John five twenty or God's love for his redeemed people in places like John sixteen twenty seven. So when James says friendship with the world, he's not just saying buddies, he's describing a deep love, an affection for the worldly system that is opposed to God friendship with the world doesn't mean befriending people who are of the world lost in sin loving them in the name of Jesus it's not saying that it means to love it means a love a faithfulness to the world's system values impulses attractions priorities it's the difference between your worldly friends feeling totally comfortable with you without the clear reality that there is something very different in you. That you are completely committed to Jesus without compromise. And they are completely committed to satisfying their fleshly desires and worldly priorities. And those stand opposed to each other. If there's no real tension in this reality, it probably means that the friendship with the world that you have is Closer than you think it is. Often what can confuse this is that the person who is unsaved and of the world is living in some kind of superficial faith. Like they think that they're good with God on their own terms and so they think they have some camaraderie with you. Or we who belong to Christ are not living out our faith boldly and consistently in such a way to highlight that there is a clear difference. So think of some of those relationships that, by God's grace, have endured quite a while. They haven't blown up. There is some peace there. I think there's a tension that we need to be mindful of, that we're not so liking how that's gone so far that then we are ready to give in to keep it that way no we're very aware this could go away at any minute this could change this thing i love doing with this person this thing that maybe i'm even even investing myself to on some level could go away it's why the bible says we should not be unequally yoked we think of that passage only as those who we would date or fall in love with or marry but it's beyond that it's it's an allegiance that Christians would have to do the work that God's called us to with the world, that can't happen. And so there's a fine line there. We don't disengage. We still live in the world. We still work in the world. We still eat with the world. We still do much with the world. Enjoy fun things together. I mean, But there's an allegiance difference. God has given you the opportunity to have a relationship with your enemy. And we need to continue to be very mindful of that. James, do, not, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? James' warning here is to say this can't be. True faith will produce works and priorities that will not mean love and faithfulness to the world's sin system, values, impulses, attractions. And when we stand in our faith and when those moments of conflict arise, they won't like it. They'll call it foul. They'll They'll tease, they'll make fun, they'll, they'll, they'll call you hypocritical, all of a sudden you're self-righteous. It just And what's happening is just a real righteous pursuit of what honors God. And maybe you're stewarding that better today than you did last week. Paul says in Romans 8, 7, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. John and James are not alone in this emphasis. We see here Paul get into it. The New Testament authors frequently speak of those who are of the world and outside of Christ and his truth. Let me give you just a quick tour through the plethora of New Testament references we see. Just about every epistle speaks to this boldly and clearly. Here's just a taste. Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Romans one twenty five, Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. 1 Corinthians 1.20 there is where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? 2 Corinthians 4.4 In their case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Ephesians 4, 17-19, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have come, become callous, and have given themselves up to sensuality, and greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Philippians 3 2, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Colossians 2 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Second uh, 2 Thessalonians 2 9 through ten, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. 1 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law, without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they they make confident assertions. 2 Timothy 3, 6-7, among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at knowledge of the truth. Titus 1, 16, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. And John says here in today, in our passage, 1 John 4, 5, they are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. This is different than how the world responds to us now that we belong to Christ. Jesus himself makes this point clear in his words in John 15, 19. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Christians, we don't speak from the world's ways and the priorities any longer. The world doesn't listen to us like it listens to those who are anti-Christ. The difference is that we no longer belong to the world. We've been bought and brought out of the world spiritually. The world is our former team. Those are our old clothes. We no longer play for those trophies. Or live to win over those belonging to the world so that they would accept us. I think there's a way that maybe we see this and we try to do this well on the front end. But what about on the back end? What about when you've done it really well and you're in the 11th hour of closing the deal? Or you have an opportunity to sneak a corner and hope that no one sees to get it done. Or to, to, to fudge that grade or, or the way you're prepping for that test or to manipulate a relationship. Just, just to put on the world's clothes just for a minute. And that it will bring about good things. Church, we don't do that. We, get to, we work hard to get to the 11th hour. And if in the 11th hour it would mean compromise, we don't compromise. And then we don't say, oh, what a waste. I couldn't close the deal. I didn't get the grade. Because I wouldn't sell out. No, we say, I have the opportunity to stand for Christ. In my losing, according to the world's terms, I profess the glory of God. And for some, you might be thinking, well, that, that would change a lot about the life that I've become used to. The money that I'm used to making, the grades that I'm used to getting, the trophies I'm used to winning the relationships that I'm used to enjoying. And I think if we're honest and we look to Scripture rightly, then we see that the Lord is sanctifying us. That we who belong to Him don't want to remain in what we're used to. Amen? We want to be in a new place of righteousness and holiness and honoring the Lord. Don't forget the context of this verse that I just read to you, where Jesus describes our new reality in Christ. John 15, 18-20. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you, Jesus says. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, because... But because you are not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Church, we are not of the world, and so we do not play by the world's rules any longer, nor look to meet the world's expectations. No, we listen to God, and we obey God, and we serve God. This is John's point in verse 6. Look with me. First John 4, 6. First he says, We are from God. In contrast to those who belong to the devil, those who live to serve him in the world's lost agenda, in contrast to those who are still depraved and enslaved in their sin, we who are saved by Christ are not of this world anymore. But we are of God. We belong to him. We are of God because we've been reconciled to him through Christ. We haven't earned this. This was given to us. This was the grace of God to save us when we were completely undeserving. He made us alive. He forgave us because of Christ's atonement in our place. He put a seal upon us, the Spirit, to take us forth into sanctification and righteousness. To be of God is to more, to more than just belong to him. It's to be heirs and participants in his glory, church. In our salvation, in our adoption, we're brought into God's favor and blessing. And we enjoy a restored relationship with him forever as objects of his electing love, his saving grace. Church, we are heirs of his glory and residents of his eternal kingdom. We are of God. And that reality, and rightly understood, is a big part of how we are able to hold differently the things we once gripped so passionately. The things that are temporary. The things that are of the world. But don't miss this point. We are of God. Every time we see this, we need to really pause and really take it all the way in. The God of the universe, the ruler of all things, the great and mighty I am, is our father if we belong to Jesus we are his beloved kids we belong to him in a way that can't be undone we're his we are of God the essence of Christianity is to belong to him to be secure in his mighty grip this is good news we've, we've been saturating and seeing this as we work through this text But a significant shift has happened in our core being, to our core identity. We are not of this world any longer. We are now of God. Christian, it is so important that you see your new self in contrast to your old self. Not only so that you live the life God has saved you to live, but that you no longer live the life He saved you out of. The the playbook you used to play for, the identity, the habits that you used to be so susceptible and enslaved to. Paul's words in Galatians 2.20 just continue to be such a sweet and clear, concise reminder of this reality. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Later in Galatians, he says it like this, Galatians 6.14, But as far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We belong to Jesus now, Christian, right? Jesus is not of this world. He says so in John 14, 17, 14, in his in his prayer to the Father. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Jesus' kingdom, church, is not of this world. He says so in John 18, 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. I love our country I'm thankful for the many blessings we've received here but I don't live for our country I don't I don't live for this world I live for the kingdom of God I'm not of this world And that needs to do work in our hearts. When the things of this world, when the things of our country, when the things of our community, when the things of our home are upset and undone, taken, burned to the ground, blown up. We have to have a growing view, Christians, of who we are in Christ. Not that it makes us complacent, not that it makes us disengaged. No, we we are clearly here for a purpose, here to be a light to this world, not to put that light under a basket, not to live for self, but if anything, to learn, to give so much more of myself away for the good of others and those whom God's saving and those whom he is raising up as disciples and sending into the world and so dad it helps us see that our 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 great objective and our faithful working is is not just to do these good and nice things, and to fulfill the worldly boxes, and the, to drive the cars, and to go on the vacations, and to do all the things, and all the sporting events. It's, it's not to accomplish or accommodate that view. It's primarily to, to do the spiritual work that God's called us to do, and, and to put our best efforts there. And to bring great balance to what was greatly imbalanced Paul says to the church in Philippi, Philippians 3:20 20 through21, "But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior." The Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him, every him even to subject all things to himself. Christian, have you been caught up lately in the failure of your body? It's lowly. It's it's a vessel that that lives in a broken system. God is using it for His purposes. Are you experiencing something that's going to mean a real shift in your life and and how you live it? And it means you're having to let go of some things you once loved and having to focus on some things differently. You're not going to get to do a lot of the, the temporary things that you thought you would, the way you thought you would do it. Maybe your days are being proven to be numbered to be shorter than you thought they would be. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power, what power? Power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself, the absolute power of God. We have confidence in that. We have peace in that. We rest in that. We're not undone. We say, okay, Lord. Go to work in me today. We belong to the victor church, to the bloodied champion God on the cross in our place, rose again to conquer the grave. He's the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He's Jesus Christ. Christian, do you rightly and finally see that you are not of this world? Every day we have to make sure we wake up and put on the jersey of the team we now play for. And no longer the jersey of the team we once played for. John continues in verse 6, We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Here in this next part of verse 6, John turns his attention to qualifying how we know who is of God. How do we know who is of God and no longer of the world? They listen. Other texts say they obey. I believe that's essentially saying the same thing. How do I know that? Parents, when you say to your child, listen to what I have to tell you. You're not just saying, hear me. Right? Where they could come back and say, even though I didn't do what you told me to do. Oh, I heard you. Right? No, no, no. That's not what I meant by listen. Right? We all understand that. No, they are to do what they heard. I heard you, I listened. I did it. They don't get to say, oh, I heard you, I listened, but I didn't do what you asked me to do. But I listened. No, no. That's a shell game. They ain't going to win. It's not enough that we know what to do. We must do it. That's what listening is. We bear the fruit of the tree we now belong to The tree we're now grafted into. We bear the fruit of the Spirit. Sanctifications at work. Differences in how we once did life. It's changing. We're growing. We're maturing. We're listening. I'm excited for Wednesday. We're going to make a turn in our midweek gathering. We've been focused on the spiritual disciplines up until this point. And now we make a turn towards the study of the fruit of the Spirit for the rest of the season until our summer break. And I'm very excited about that. Pastor Steve's going to kick us off on Wednesday, Lord willing, um, to look at the fruit of the Spirit uh, by introduction, but then specifically to look at love. And it's going to be uh, an important and good study for us, church. I'm excited about that. We need to understand rightly the fruit of the Spirit. and We who belong to Christ, who are clinging to the vine, the fruit of the Spirit should bear itself in our lives growingly. Now, why does John say, the qualifier is listening to us? Did you notice that? Shouldn't we be listening to God himself? It it almost reads like it's off. Whoever knows God listens to us, he says. So why does he say it like that? Well, it's because of the context of the passage. Right? We need to not forget the context where we begin to read Scripture in the wrong vein. The context of John's words here is in regards to the spokesmen of the different spirits. That's where we were in the opening verses of the chapter and really much of his emphasis throughout the entire letter. There are spokesmen of the Spirit of God. There are spokesmen of the Spirit of the Antichrist. Two teams, remember? Those who speak for the Spirit of truth of God, and those who speak for the spirit of error, the Antichrist. He's saying those who belong to God, those who are of God and not of this world, listen to us, who are the spokesmen of God, who speak the truth of God. They know truth. They listen to truth. They obey truth. They don't listen to the voices of error who speak for the spirits of of error. And I just want to ask you, just to make it personal for you today. Who are you listening to lately? The truth-tellers? The the Bible scholars? The faithful preachers? Or the liars? The false prophets? The heretics? The teachers of man-made religions? The teachers of man made ideologies. When you were at a crossroad in life, do you look to the voices of secular scholars, of generational wisdom, and how your parents and grandparents did it? Maybe the voices in your own head, worldly reasoning. Or do you listen to the representatives of God? Do you listen to the the revelation of God? This is a blessing to us, church. This is the solidification of truth in the midst of a deep and wide sea of lies and deception. What a gift we've been given. Are we listening? Are are we studying so we can listen? Meditate on it. Jesus taught that he who belongs to God hears what God says. John 8, 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Speaking of people who are not of us, not, not redeemed. Jesus says in in John 10, a few chapters later, that his sheep listen to him and they hear his voice. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee, and but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Later, Jesus is going to say to Pilate, John 18, 37, Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose, I was born, and for this purpose, I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. I want to ask you again who are you listening to? Who are you turning to for answers, for help, for comfort? for purpose, for clarity, for direction. Christian, if the Bible is the Word of God, then why are you out looking for answers, for comfort, for purpose, for direction from anyone else? especially anyone of the world. There is a real and discerning reality that John is highlighting and that Jesus makes clear on a number of different occasions. Those who are of God, those who know God, hear truth, identify it as truth, and listen to it. Meaning they obey it. Paul warns Timothy of the reality of those who look to be of us, who look to belong to God, but they, they don't listen to God's truth. They listen to... And they don't listen to God's truth-tellers. They find people who will tell them what their flesh wants to hear. 2 Timothy 4, 3-4, through The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. It it is so susceptible that any of us could get to a place where we're on an island all by ourselves. We... even with the best intentions for the pursuit of righteousness, we can work ourselves into a place where we're all by ourselves, declaring to everyone else, I'm the only one who sees this. Some of the giants of the faith have even found themselves to, to that testimony in the end of their days. It is a dangerous place to be. Time is coming when people will not endorse sound teaching. He's not talking about people of the world. He's talking about people who are of the church, at least at a minimum, participating in the church. They proved, though, to not be of us or to be of God because they didn't listen to the truth-tellers, the Bible scholars, the faithful preachers. They went and listened to the voices of the world, the reasoning of the world, and the ways of the world. Paul speaks of this in Galatians 1, 6 through 6-7. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Jesus Christ. This fits right in line with John's ongoing emphasis. There is safety from error to be found in loyalty to that which is heard from the beginning. In other words, what the prophets and the apostles taught, what Jesus taught, they're the standing truths of the Christian faith. They are based solely out of the revelation of God. This is why we look to what was said in the beginning and what has stood the test of time in the historic Orthodox beliefs and why we don't get caught up in searching for new ideas, trendy thinking, or progressive interpretation of God's Word. This is one of the ways that those who are of God and those who are, who are of the world are very different. Those who are of the world want to always be finding new ideas, new revelation, new advancements. That They will go hard and long to say what is old is tired. That is the words of the agenda of someone trying to have a voice that's new. They want to build on top of what God called good. They want to move past what God called good and find a new good based on human thinking and passions. That's air. Whereas those who are of God and listen to God and His spokesmen are not looking for new. They're looking for old, for what is longstanding, for what has produced fruit from the beginning. And they want to live there and nowhere else. They don't want to innovate. They want to be faithful. Amen? 1 John 4, 6. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Listen to Paul's affirmation of this point in a number of his letters. Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Later in chapter 3, 2 Timothy 3, 14-15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have, faithfully, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul wrote this to Titus. An elder of the church must hold firmly to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many... Who are insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party? They must be silenced, since they are upsetting the whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. Titus one nine through eleven. Paul rejoiced with the Roman believers. Romans six seventeen. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Church, those who belong to God, those who are truly saved, listen to His truth and to the truth-tellers. To the faithful Bible scholars, to the faithful expositors of God's Word and preaching. They hold fast to the Word and they endure in sound teaching. They stay true to the truth. They first heard the truth that saved them. There is no other gospel. John finishes in verse 6. Let me read the whole verse. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Knowing or discerning the spirit of truth and the spirit of error is the fulfillment of the testing that John called his hearers to in verse 1. First John 4.1, remember with me, church, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. We are to do this so that we're not taken captive by them or their deception to protect ourselves, to protect the church. The Lord has made a way for us to know which spirit is being represented. This is huge because it is how we discern who is speaking truth and who is speaking error or lies. Church, this is to keep us from being deceived. And so let me close with the clarity and good news of Paul. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Christian, look at me. You are no longer of this world. Praise God. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We who are of God have been born again by the Spirit of God and we now listen to the Spirit of God and the Spirit's Word written to us in Holy Scripture and we listen to the voices of the Spirit of God that preach faithfully that Word and hold fast to that Word who represent it. If not, they represent the spirits of error. If you are not of God, not truly trusting Christ alone for salvation and lordship of your life, Repent of your sin and trust your life to Jesus to be saved, to be surrendered to Him the rest of your days. If given to God in new birth on this day, if you're saved on this day, then you too are washed, sanctified, and justified. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Praise God. If that's you today, will you please tell someone who loves the Lord and belongs to disciples that we could know and celebrate that with you and begin to walk with you in new faith? You who are younger, that's our prayer for you. Parents, elders, we're praying for you every day that today might be the day that God would awaken you with saving faith. with me church oh God what a wondrous work you do every time you save a guilty sinner and wash them and sanctify them and justify them and make them yours in Christ you have done this for us and so we listen to you we obey you and we testify to you of you we did nothing but sin and you did everything we needed to make us yours, to forgive us and empower us with the spirit of truth. So praise be to God. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For my life, who is wholly bound to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing. All is mine. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and sing. Amen.